1: tuesday it is four o'clock that means it's time for girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw the preferred dating partner of the dallas cowboys Haley sutton Aisha morrison jess navarez here for your tuesday slate of cowboys talk ladies i have had a hard time these last couple of days because sunday's game just hasn't sat right with me uh, having to sit through that uh was was pretty miserable i'm not gonna lie oh yeah. uh, it's miserable on a lot of fronts, and we'll get into that, obviously. I just want to read off a couple of stats to get us started in this one. Uh, the Cowboys' offense on Sunday, 128 passing yards, 64 rushing yards, just 10 first downs. They were four of eight on third down. They averaged just 2.8 yards of gain, six penalties for 74 yards, two turnovers, just one touchdown, and ladies, they were outpossessed. 23 minutes and 48 seconds to 36 minutes and 12 seconds. Dak Prescott playing the worst game of his career, and it's not. It is close, but it was the worst game of his career. 14 of 37, pick number 15 in just 12 games. And something that I found interesting in this one as I was doing flashback on Monday, I went back and looked at Dak's game against Tampa Bay in game one of the season this year, nearly identical stat line. He was 14 of 29 for 134 yards and an interception in that one. Uh, That being said, I'm glad we got that out of our system, but I will open up the table with this. What is your biggest concern from Sunday's game?
2: I think for me, it's the offensive scheme and not necessarily, I don't think that falls on Dak. I don't think that falls on anybody other than, you know, is this play calling really working for the offense? Are we playing up the strengths or are, are we just kind of knocking the confidence of the team? That's that's what worries me is I don't want this this win or this win. Oh, my goodness. This loss. <laughs> I wish it was a win. We wouldn't be having to talk about this. Um, I don't want this loss to propel them back in the confidence that they took a while to rebuild when Dak did return. Because that took a while to return after Cooper Rush. So, I just, I'm concerned about the play calling. I'm concerned about um, the strengths of that offense not being utilized. Where was the run game? Where is the tight end versatility that we've seen work for this offense? Where is the unpredictable aspect of this offense? There's a lot of questions I have about the offensive scheme right now. And it's frustrating because there's moments within the season where you see things work and then you'd never see them again. So it's just it felt like everybody was confused. It felt like no one was on the same page, and that worries me. But I also know this team is resilient, and they have—they are more than capable of coming back from that. Uh, for me, it's the, uh, yeah, she's gonna, not playing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like <laughs> me, sick of this, I'm over it. Um, <laughs> for, <Yo. laughs> me, for me, it's the offensive line, and for me, it's the uh, the run blocking in this last what couple of weeks. Um, obviously TP returned from injury last week, and we saw he wasn't involved a whole bunch. So, and with this game, I felt like the pass pro was there at times, but the consistent the consistent factor even in the Bucks game that they couldn't run the ball. Mm -hmm. and when this team cannot run the ball effectively you can see that it spreads out through the whole offense it puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback it puts a lot of pressure uh, pressure on the passing game as in itself and it also makes defenses you know be able to just drop six in coverage and rush four and go about their business so you went against the commanders one of the best well, the best uh, defense on third down. I know. And it showed. I, I mean, I know we're <laughs> yeah. talking about how poorly the Cowboys played, but let's let's remember, like they had some. They have a mm-hmm. pretty good defense over there as well. But for me, is getting the cohesiveness of this offensive line back together and being able to run block at an efficient rate and do it well uh, moving forward is going to be so important to this offense.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the offensive line for a little bit because I I want to raise my hand up. I was the one last week that said, this offensive line doesn't scare me, you know, like they all they got it. They mm-hmm. got Hall of Famers left and right. Boy was I wrong on Sunday. And it just goes to show you how one small impact, that being Tyler Biotish, one small move, one small change mm-hmm. affects everything. To your point, I think the run game was missing because there was no run blocking. There was no there was no There's nothing. blocking period. Sure. I think what stands out to me the most about the offensive line in this game is you saw it from the opening possession uh, for Dak Prescott. The the opening snap he took, he was immediately being pressured. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like this tap dance that he was doing in the back because he didn't know, like, should I stay in the pocket? Do I have time to stay in the pocket? I don't have time to stay in the pocket. Do I roll right? Do I roll left? Oh, my gosh. Like, throw it away. And then it was just from the very beginning, it was so out of sorts. And just to give you guys some context for this, Connor McGovern was in at center for Tyler Biotish. Tyler Smith was moved to left guard. Jason Peters played left tackle for the whole game, and I think that's important to note. I think that was his first full game that he had played at all. Um, Zach Martin was at right guard, of course, and then Tyron Smith over at right tackle. And this is kind of the point of the season where you kind of start to see those cracks show. I think that's kind of what just ultimately set Sunday's game into a tailspin. Uh, You had Tyron Smith, I think, struggling a little bit, just trying to stay in the rhythm, trying to forget what he's learned at left tackle and, and translate that over to the right side. But... The positives in this is that Mike McCarthy, Jerry Jones are both very confident that you're going to get your starting center back in Tyler Biotish. Uh, and I also said this last week, and, and we'll get into Leighton Vanderash later in the show, but you never know what you have until it's gone. Mm -hmm. And I think when you want to talk about being resilient, and and I think faithful is another good word for this team, uh, you get Tyler Biotis back. This is a guy who's going to allow you to get that run blocking back. He's going to allow the communication on that line pre-snap, which I think is going to be very important. Uh, You allow that to get back. And just the comfortability uh, for Dak Prescott back there. You get your center, you get everything back in line, and then you can kind of adjust the offensive line as needed. But just from you guys, Tyler Biotis, how much of an impact is he going to be on Sunday?
3: Well, listening to Mike McCarthy yesterday just say that you know he had a good day yesterday, still very encouraging because I didn't know how much I'm still learning. So I didn't know how much center had a role in just the overall efficiency of even the checks, the calling out stuff, just... And even just the um, spike in the ball. I mean, it's just so important for a quarterback to get in that rhythm and, and be able to get into their drops comfortably. You made a fantastic point talking about how Dak never seemed comfortable. There were opportunities where he had the uh, he had the opportunity to check down to the tight ends in the middle of the field and stuff, and he just didn't take it. He did not <laughs> see the no – f- It was no yeah. confidence. His clock was very sped up, and that's something that we haven't seen from him in a while. So I – to your point, really think that it just kind of help, helps reestablish a lot of order on that offensive line and just to get him back comfortable knowing who who can hold serve at what point in time. So I I think it's important for him to get back in here and for things to get rolling because I don't know if you're going to be able to run the ball effectively without that center. because It, it, didn't it showed. Look, it it wasn't working. It show <laughs> show no, didn't look like it.
2: I, I think something in uh, – Y'all are going to take your shot. Something I always talk about is the mental focus. And that usually slips in the way of penalties, right? But in this case, without your center, without that key communication that everybody was working with and they were used to, it showed. It helped uh, contribute to the confusion. It helped contribute to the miscues and the miscommunication. So for me, getting Tyler Biotish back means you get your communication back and you get what was working right back. So, you know, not to say that, It can't work how, what we saw, it it can work. But I think with Tyler Biotis, he brings an element of communication that just is needed. It is needed for every single person. And it's a domino effect. That O-line is a domino effect of what you see. Because again, Dak was rushing. Dak was, he looked panicked. I mean, Dak is, I, I always pride Dak on being a guy that he does roll things off his back and you see it in his face. There was just a look of panic that, was so unsettling for me to even just watch. I can't imagine being the guys in the O-line or the tight ends or the receivers or anybody that had to be there, and that comes from the O-line. So, again, Tyler Biotis to me means communication is back. Like you said, Aisha, order is restored in the O-line, and they need it bad. They need it bad. And more power, and
3: a little bit more power. Like, McGovern really – had trouble this game just with the overall power from that interior. And then obviously you had Tyler slide to left guard and he, in fairness, let's be fair here, he's been playing left tackle almost all season. Like mm-hmm. it's the bouncing you back forget. and forth. He's a it's naturally it's natural he's gonna sometimes have instances where his hands aren't right and stuff sure. because that is just hard to tap back into, I'm sure. So just getting guys kind of back where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. I think will help um, will help the overall offense.
2: And we've given yeah. them so much credit for being so versatile on that O-line mm. and having the ability to be versatile and, you know, be able to have that muscle memory kind of reversed on on the drop of a dime. But at some point, you just don't need that anymore. You mm-hmm. need consistency. You need stability. And it's great that you can do it if you have to, but it also – it almost feels like it's become a, a thing where these guys are so on their toes – it doesn't feel like there's a sense of stability for them to where they're like, oh, am I going to be on left guard? Am I going to be on right guard? What, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Put your feet on the ground. Stay where you're at. Focus on the best position for these guys and move forward because it's just there's too much going on.
1: Yeah, I loved last week. I think it was Connor McGovern who was asked about this last week when it came to, you know, as far as, like, how often do you take reps at another position? Or maybe it was uh, Biotish. But was. one of them. Okay. It was McGovern, no, you're right. okay, yeah, and they were just talking about you know like oh like ten to fifteen reps just to make sure you you know have that fresh muscle memory as you pointed out. So I find that to be interesting. The positive here as well is you get Tyler uh, Biadish back, you also get a uh, Matt Farniak going into the mm. second week of his twenty-one day window, and yep. going back to your point of the stability, I think that really gives that cushion you know yep. you get him in as your backup you have a little bit more flexibility because I think the issue is not necessarily that you're you're rotating the line right like you don't want to rotate the line if you don't have to but yeah. it's out of necessity but if you're going to do it you want to have the correct pieces to do it right Preach. and I think when you have Matt Farniak in there even if he doesn't ever see the field you at least have that you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: good backing to know that okay this isn't working, let's change it up, and let's change it up in a way that we feel comfortable that we've seen doing. So Matt Farniak making his return as well. My last question for you ladies before we take break, on that offensive line, who do you want starting where? What? What? I know we haven't seen practice yet. I hate when your eyes get big like that because you freak me out when you do that. <laughs> but what is your ideal <laughs> offensive line when you're facing a guy like Tom Brady who obviously isn't in the, his prime the way he used to be, but he can still make things happen mm. And you've got to be able to, on your side of the offensive
3: ball, be able to combat that. At this point, the ideal offensive line, to me, is going to be the one that you kind of were starting with. I know that as far as, like, um, Tyler at left tackle, mm-hmm. McGovern at left guard, Beatish back at center, Zach Martin there at right guard, and then Tyron as your right tackle. Yep. Granted, like, we've talked about Tyron. There's some issues definitely in the run game, and I think that's just because his feet, like he's like what do I do with my feet you know because it's it's one also too you know Michael McCarthy talked about how different it is for him but just that group did show signs of being able to run the ball at certain points in different Mm -hmm. this group right here it's not showing it's not showing no Mm -hmm. signs of being able to run the ball so at least you get back to like you said some stability and guys kind of know where they're supposed to be you can bring that you can bring you have the tight ends you mentioned them Bring somebody over there to help out, you know, sometimes if you need it. Um, but that's how I that's the offensive line I would go with. It's kind of like your know, only best option at this point, right? life I mean, what else? Yeah. What ding, else? ding, ding, ding. <laughs> no, that
2: that's the lineup I'm going with. If I have the choice. Um, the thing about Tyron Smith is I have so much faith in this guy. And, you know, I think it goes for every single person on this team. Like, yeah, we know he switched um sides of the line and and all of that, but Everybody needs to feel their best and nobody played their best. So again, this is it's more of a confidence thing for anybody at this point. But yeah, that's the lineup I go with. That's the lineup that was working. If it wasn't broke, don't fix it. You get your guys coming back, put them back where they belong, and move on from the horrendous, horrendous game. That was Sunday.
3: On the plus side though, Jason Peters, uh, he played a lot of snaps. Christy oh, mentioned it on yeah. Monday. She was like, Why is he playing so much? Mm-hmm. When I actually went back and watched him, we've been having this whole thing, like, mm-hmm. can he play a full game? Are you sure? They're like, and yeah. he played well. He didn't know he especially in pass pro on that left side. So at least you know that he can be that guy that can come in sometimes on that left tackle position. Because that's the premier position. You know, yeah. Tyler's gonna be dealing with a lot of the best. Uh, best DNs in the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can roll Jason Peters out there a couple plays if Tyler's having trouble. There, if you need a big play and you yep. like, I gotta have it. Yep. You know that he can play for extended snaps if you need that. And I think that's was good to see from him in this game moving forward. And
2: that's the versatility you want because it benefits you. Pen drop. Oh, yeah, God. I think that's
1: the. <laughs> I think that that's the goal of what Jason Peters was brought here for. Absolutely. You know, yep. just to come in, you, you shore up. That offensive line with a big body, a guy with a lot of experience. But, uh, I mean, like, I'm pushing 30 and I'm struggling. So (laughs) I can imagine, you know, how he's feeling at uh, crossing that 40 threshold. So uh, a lot of interesting things to see. Practice will resume tomorrow. So obviously we'll get the opportunity to check out how they're practicing. Uh, We did hear good news about Biotish on Monday and his individual workout. He was pushing a sled at one point. Uh, got good reports there. So good to see those guys on the mend. Another guy who's on the mend and literally chomping at the bit to get back in the game, linebacker Leighton Vander Esch. He was our guest on Cowboys Hour last night. I encourage you guys, if you haven't watched that interview, please go do it. It was fantastic. Leighton is a fantastic guy. And after the break, we're going to get into what makes him so special as a middle linebacker and what bringing him and Jonathan Hankins back to the defense, how it makes a difference. When we come back on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw. Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw
2: Dating, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We go over to Jess. Jack Prescott and your Dallas Cowboys are heading to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the Wild Card round of the 2022 NFL playoffs. Come to the Miller Lighthouse at AT&T Stadium for a free Wild Card watch party on Monday, January 16th. Cheer on the boys alongside the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and Rowdy while enjoying lawn games, food trucks, music, and more. The gates open at 530 and kickoff is at 715. For more information, you can visit DallasCowboys.com slash 2022Playoffs. It's going to be lit in there. Oh, look. Lit. The watch parties at the Miller Light Plaza, they're so fun. I ain't never been, but it, it looked like it it's, be lit in it's there. It's a good time. I will say I went. there was a watch party uh, for last year's game against Tampa, Dak's return game, easily one of, the, one of my favorite games I've ever watched. Um, that crowd was so hyped. That was Dak's game, first game back everyone people were crying people were having like a whole thing it was crazy i was like are y'all okay like i get you missed him i did too but like let's take a breath it was <laughs> I all I that cried. to say sensitive though. it was fun the food trucks are amazing go to it if you get the chance cool so check it out
1: the miller light plaza miller, uh, miller light house Lighthouse, miller at Lighthouse AT&T at and stadium well, Cole, girlies, I am so excited Leighton Van Der Esch is coming back to the game, back to the team, back to the field, however you want to describe it. Um, I will be honest, Leighton's a guy who I hadn't spent a lot of time getting to know, mostly because he hasn't been in the locker room the times that I'm in there, um, and he's similar to the the safety room. He's in and is, he's in and he's out. So uh, I hadn't had a chance to really get um, time to speak to him. But after sitting with him on Cowboys Hour yesterday, he was... phenomenal interview he very much just kept it real without being too cocky you know there were some moments where you know he felt a little confident about this matchup coming up which we'll get to in a little bit but just a really humble guy a really cool story Uh, he told me kind of the origin of the wolf story because i wasn't here whenever uh, they first drafted him so i loved hearing that story so again if you guys haven't checked that out uh cowboys hour on our youtube page uh fantastic stuff but when you talk about a guy who is missed uh, and we've said this before you never really knew how much of an impact he was making on the field until he wasn't making that impact on the field. Some more stats for you from Leighton Vander Ash. 54 solo tackles this season. That's second on the team behind Dono, who has 70. But I think given, you know, the amount of games that Leighton has missed, who knows where that would have been. Uh, he's got a sack and a forced fumble. Um And it was interesting yesterday when we spoke to him, uh, Brad Sham asked him if there was a blitz package available for Leighton for them to ever run. And Leighton immediately said, no, like, what do you what do you think would happen if they let me blitz? I would go crazy. Uh, So I love that. Hopefully we'll see that one play on um, Monday. But regardless, guys, this is a guy on this field who makes such an impact. He has been so missed over the last couple of weeks with him being back on the field. How does that change this defense?
3: Um, Well, this linebacker core right now, personally, I feel like they're really struggling in coverage, and that is somewhere where Leighton this year really has taken, I feel like, a, a step forward in coverage. He's been fantastic in coverage, but his recognition is through the roof. He's played the game long enough to understand exactly what he's looking at. And when you have, like, a Damone Clark in there who's trying to get acclimated, Anthony Barr is a veteran, but he's not a veteran to this team and this scheme. When you have a guy that can come in there and kind of – give direction and let you know where to line up. I've even seen him with the D lineman. Tell him, like, hitting him on the butt, like, move over, get into your gap, stuff like that. He's still a leader on this team. He's a veteran on this team, and I think his vision and his knowledge is really missed across the defensive line. So it'll be dope to get him back.
2: Yeah, I think when you think of guys in terms of allowing other people to make plays mm-hmm. and them not being the slam dunk guy, it's Micah Parsons. But what you didn't realize is it's also Leighton Vanderesh because – even just looking at his stats he had um, you know he had his fair number of assisted tackles but you also just look at how impressive he's been to set up the other guys for success your Donovan Wilson's and any but any everybody else I mean even just how imperative he's been to demone Clark's growth within this time is so impressive to watch something too that stood out for me um, this season about Layton is is his tackles for loss? He is playing with a purpose and an impact. And mm-hmm. that is something that you love to see from a guy like this who, yeah, I mean, people just have not given him enough credit these last few years since, geez, since 2018, I'm going to say his rookie season. People were so quick to throw Leighton Vanderush under the bus for a long time. And I'm so glad that, you know, now everybody has a, better appreciation for what he does bring to this defense he's your leader of the defense you you know you have different ones within it but he was he was missed in very many ways you know his his productivity on the field but also just that boost that he's giving guys he can diagnose things so quickly and so easily it's come so natural to him and I I give a lot of that credit to him being bought into the Dan Quinn defensive scheme um, I always go back to that and that's what happens when your guy is bought into what you're bringing to the table, and I love that for him. I love
1: too. Yesterday when we were talking, he is to your point of being like that leader on the defense. He um, is never afraid to like tell these guys like, "Hey, like, yeah, uh, like." He was talking about Micah, and uh, and he was like, he's like, "Hey, man, like, look, we get it." Like, you're the dude. No one's taking that away from you. You're the dude. You can make those plays. Sometimes you don't need to. You
3: can't make every play. I'll never <laughs> yeah. forget he said and that. Like,
1: and it was just, it's so impactful just to hear that kind of stuff and knowing that you have those leaders. Because, like, let's be real. Like, sometimes it's hard to, you know, to speak up to the guys who are, you know, making the big plays and, and getting all the headlines. It's hard to tell those guys to sit down. But I think that's what makes a leader uh, really impressive. I think that's what makes him such an impressive leader. Yep. Now, of course, they're facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that uh, the Cowboys have yet to beat Tom Brady, 7-0 against the GOAT. And something Brad asked that I thought was a phenomenal question, but Brad asked Layton, you know, obviously there's, there's no denying how good Tom Brady is as a quarterback, right? But is there ever a moment when you're facing a Tom Brady, when you're facing an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, someone to that effect, is there ever a moment where you can feel that they are rattled by you, mm. and I love this answer from Leighton Jazzy. If we could play that up for me, please.
5: Then this year was really like my first true, like shot to actually like play against them a good amount, and um, there was certain plays. And I watched the game this morning too. I went to the facility, got in the hot tub, and that was the first thing I put on my iPad was the was the Tampa Bay game from first thing this season, and just watching and there's certain plays in there where i know like dude you saw exactly what i was doing and you went away like or had to read a different side of the field and so like knowing that and seeing that and knowing that you can have an effect on him and playing the game within a game because i mean we're the quarterbacks of the defense and and a lot of his reads are going to come based off of the second level at the linebacker level and, and what we're doing and, and how we're controlling the field so uh the more you can keep him on his toes even if it's just a few times in in, in big crunch time moments, um, that adds up and has an effect.
1: So you think about Micah Parsons and the way that offense is prepared to disrupt Micah Parsons in the game that he plays, but now you got Micah Parsons and a Leighton Vander And by the way, he told us that he only played 14 snaps against Tom Brady last year. So he said, not a lot, but obviously enough to make him question whether or not he was going to throw to my side or, or the plays that we were <laughs> going to run coming through me. Uh, so... When I was talking earlier about like his quiet confidence, like there were moments like that where he was just like listen, like we're not worried about the bucks. And not in a way of like they're not preparing for the bucks in that way, not in a way that they're not taking the bucks for granted, but it just felt, y'all know how I feel about confidence. It just felt good knowing that you're getting this guy back, you're getting a guy back who is ready to play and is ready to make an impact and now you got Tom Brady potentially shivering in his boots a little bit, having to face a Layton Vanderash. Yeah,
3: you made a you made such a good point. I'm glad that you mm-hmm. pulled that clip about just the disguises and stuff like that. Cause Dan Quinn actually talked about this yesterday. Just how do you beat a guy like Brady? First of all, he corrected the reporter and said it well, first of all, kind of looked at it like it's our defense against their offense. It's not just one person. But then also he was like, they were asking him, how do you attack someone like Brady? He was, how do you affect him? Move him off his spot, A gap and B gap pressure. I hope Micah is a part of that. Just disguises also in the secondary to throw up his timing and stuff. It's all the stuff that Dan Quinn's been talking about. So I'm glad that they're kind of on the same page because Tom Brady's seen it all. He's seen it all. So Dan talked about affecting him post-snap because pre-snap, it's not realistic. You're going to get him. He don't, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, I know what you're doing. He's seen everything. So just the fact that they have that mindset that you're going to have to, it's chess match, you're going to have to get in their head is, is good to know moving forward.
2: Yeah. That's the mental side of things to be able to get back to that defensive scheme. That's confusing for offenses. That's what I want to see. That's what you need for this game. And I'm looking at Leighton Vandrush's history uh, against Tampa Bay and I like it. You see some growth. The uh, back in 2021, he only had two tackles during that game um, and then a combined total of nine tackles uh, the last time they played at Tampa Bay back in September. So, you love to see growth, right? And and when you see Leighton Vander Esch coming back, and you know the impact he's had on that run defense, which necessarily isn't necessarily going to be the test that this Tom Brady uh, Bucks team is going to put to you, but you also know that Leighton has that speed. When he wants to have that speed, he's speedy, and so again, he sets people up for success too. And I'm excited. Yeah, Hankins
3: coming back is huge. Too. Yeah, Cause I was you just a big guy, say that. and you could see like Leighton in his time with the Cowboys when he has. Uh, When he has good DT play and he can play free, he is a different player. And I think that's what we really saw in the latter part of the season before he got injured was Hankins coming in there and being able to eat up those double teams and stuff. It really allows your linebackers to not deal with offensive linemen climbing on them and stuff. So it's a trickle down effect. So they're going to them coming back together, I think, is going to be beneficial for both of them at the same time.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about this defense because I know that the last couple of weeks have been tough with just the performances and, and missing the opportunities and not, it's so hard when you start out and it's so shiny and it's so new and everything you know is good and you're a lead and you're leading the league in sacks and the pass rush is unmatched and it's a privilege and all of a sudden people <laughs> figure it out, mm-hmm. right? And then you're hit with some injuries which are unfortunate and now all of a sudden you're having to pivot. Uh, something that I find interesting about about this matchup is that they are facing an offense that doesn't produce as much as we've seen in the past. Say that. This is a Tampa Bay team that averages 18.4 points per game, good for 25th in the league, facing a defense that allows 20.1. On the flip side of that, the Cowboys' offense scores about 27.5 points a game, third in the league, and the Buccaneers' defense allows 21.1. So if we're really trying to simplify this here, I think you go back to the beginning of the season when we were relying on the defense to keep us alive. I think that's a great kind of idea to go back to, right? Allow this defense to flourish. You're getting a lot of your guys back. You're working through the kinks of it. There's obviously still some concerns, but allow the defense to do what the defense does best, and now you have an offense who has picked it up. Not over the last couple of games, but throughout the end of the season with Dak's return, now you have the offense that can supplement that once elite defense. To me, that's the game. And and don't get me wrong, like Tom Brady's going to Tom Brady. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter, yeah. and he's going to have a two minute drill and the opportunity to succeed, just like he always does. Because not, nah, girl, like, don't manifest how, that. Well, no, it's I'm not saying it's oh. not manifesting. It's just the reality. I mean, like who did they just beat uh, to win the to win the title? Oh, oh, the Panthers. Yeah. yeah. What yeah, happened? Yeah. What happened in that yeah. game? Well, uh, that's what they I were was losing mean. the whole game. It came down mm-hmm. to the fourth quarter. Tom Brady turns up in the fourth quarter. That's whenever he finally shows up, his body's ready to go. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then the last two and a half minutes of the game, what does he do? He winds down the clock, is the goat for a reason, and then you win. And, and now all of a sudden you're the fourth seed.
2: Yeah, and he brought <laughs> it up. Somehow, <laughs> someway.
4: Yeah. And with
2: he, a with the first time in his in his career with a losing record, yeah. by the way. Like Here's the thing. I think when it comes to getting in their heads early, it's something you have to continue to pester and pester and pester. You start early. Like Layton's talking about, you get in there early. You get in Tom Brady's face because uh, attacking the edges isn't going to be good enough. Tom Brady is going to get that ball in and out. You need to get in his face. I'm talking collapse that pocket. Make that the goal. Attack. Be aggressive. Be physical. Because, again, I mean, they're fifth in passing yards and they're first in passing attempts in the NFL right now for a reason. Tom Brady, yes, not the same Tom Brady we've seen in years past, but it, it doesn't make him any less of a threat. It's just for me, I think what's exciting about this matchup specifically is all the talk about the cornerback situation with the Cowboys locker room. This is your time. Nayshawn Wright. That excites you? It excites me because. Hold on, because what better way to <laughs> restore? the opposite
1: of excited. Well, what
2: better way to restore confidence within that cornerback room than hey, I I can make plays on Tom Brady because if your D line is doing what they need to do, getting pressure in. I don't know and your cornerbacks are on par. You have Trayvon Diggs, you have NaShawn Wright, you have Deron Bland making sure that those plays are about being Mike made. I Evans. <laughs> I'm not that so it's it's possible. Well, that's it's, contingent it's because possible. well yeah, that's
3: that's one of the things I'm looking for in the matchup is like is Trayvon Diggs going to travel? And mm-hmm. if he does travel, we've seen him play well against Mike Evans. Now yep. the other two guys, to think about having guys travel though is that the other gentleman's communication got to be on point, on point. Yeah. But when you mentioned you mentioned how the Bucks offense is not super they're not just scoring a whole bunch they're not a really explosive offense however you did see against the panthers that if you allow them to throw the ball downfield they will take advantage of those and that's really because they're not getting much Mm -hmm. explosive play so that's giving them turnovers giving them opportunities they're they're going to try to take advantage because offensively it's been difficult for them to get really anything going um consistently so you just got the, the the Cowboys' defense in that cornerback two spot, which I think is going to be I, – I would assume is going to be Nashaun Wright just because I felt like Dan Quinn said that he felt like he found something with them, but they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's because he's going to be looking to take advantage. That's what it's what Brady does. Yeah, so, yeah. That's what he does.
1: I agree. I think – I want Nashaun to be the guy in this situation. I, I want him to help. I think he's, he's still not there personally for me to feel comfortable in it. I think he just – Something about him just doesn't give me that like oh I feel good about it like when I see Trayvon out there I know he's going to get burned once or twice because that's the reality of the position yep. but I feel confident in his ability to bounce back. Nayshawn kind of makes me a little nervous.
3: Well, he did that in the, he did that at last game though. I felt like he he had that one big play but he bounced back and was he tackled well. He had a couple of breakups like. It, beggars can't be choosers at this point we don't sure. know like and we don't know like exactly point. like he is the best option yep. at this point and especially for the communication factor sure mm-hmm. being back there because not only is he i know xavier rose was brought in we may That's get to see say. him later i'm sorry no. i'm sorry Go. i'm sorry <laughs> i he might be age. able to bring him in later if there is need be but when you talk about your secondary especially going against a tom brady especially going like the scheme of it all has to be important. Your disguises have to be on point. And with Dan Quinn talking about some of the things they're going to be throwing at him, I am assuming that uh, Wright would be the best guy for that because yeah. he's been here. He's He knows everything that they do back there. So I don't know how confident, like you said, but... It's what we got. It's what, we, it's got. It's what go we got. It's what we got, and
1: that's and that's how it is. I'm happy we signed Xavier Rose. I know this is a guy mm-hmm. that's bounced around over the last uh, couple of years, but uh, at the very least, you get a guy with some experience. I, I can't wait to see him at practice because that's also what I said about Trayvon Mullen, and then we, uh, we saw how that went. So uh, I'm glad. That's the one thing that I am glad about with this Washington Commanders game that I did you know, give credit for. They did try some stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a point where they just said, look, this just ain't it. This ain't it. It's not our day. So let's try some different things. Like There was one point, I believe, in the third quarter where Dak was just yeeting the ball down the field to <laughs> Noah Brown by yeah. just a, a, a heave and a prayer Hoping that someone can make a play. I don't think that's something normally that you're gonna do in back to back to back, Mm. you know, downs. But I appreciate their creativity. I appreciate that we finally got to see Trayvon Mullen so that we can know that we need to keep looking. Now you know. Yeah, Yeah. now we know. So it's cool. So I am thankful to Mike McCarthy. I'm thankful to Dan Quinn uh, about that. and we'll see. Like I said, practices tomorrow, guys. So we'll, we'll we're gonna take a look at uh, at Lord, the options.
2: All the <laughs> things. Lord, be some at. safety help. Lord, <laughs>
1: yeah. Lord Jesus. All the things. Uh, but something else that has been floating around in the football universe is Mike McCarthy's job potentially being on the line. Oof, the nerve. And I say Dang. that with a semi-straight face. <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about that in our final break, or after our final break, rather, here on Girls Talk Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw. To the final few minutes of girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw the preferred dating partner of the dallas cowboys we got a little breaking news but before we get there you gotta listen to jess
2: james wright is your 2022 cowboys fan of the year james brings the spice to every dallas cowboys game and now he needs your help to take him to the super bowl vote for james to be given the ultimate title of the nfl fan of the year presented by captain morgan by casting your vote at nfl.com slash fan of the year Go vote for our guy, James.
1: Vote for Dak. Vote for James. Listen to Aisha because we got some breaking news for you guys here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk.
2: Yeah, uh, Field Yates, uh,
3: is that how you say it? Yes. Yeah, he, he announced that the Colts have claimed center Dakota Shepley off waivers from the Cowboys and Shepley can officially join his new team following the Super Bowl per league rules. Also, James Washington worked out with the Giants today, so skid jiggy. Do good to you see some do. former
1: Cowboys. Dakota yeah. Shepley, I think, was elevated last week as well, hmm. so um, good for him. He's a guy who was always nice to be in the locker room, so I appreciate that. Thanks, yeah. Matt. Uh, we wish him well. Thanks for that news. Uh, let's talk a little Mike McCarthy because this is something we we are obviously Mike McCarthy stands on this show. Yes. Um, we in, we enjoy Mike McCarthy Uh, But I just want to give you guys some reasons to also enjoy Mike McCarthy before we open up this discussion. So he's got two years left in his contract, as we know, ladies. He's been here since 2020. He has back-to-back 12-5 and win seasons. That's the first time since 94-95 that's happened. First time to have back-to-back playoff appearances since 06-07. First time since the same coach did that since 98 to 99 that was Chan Gailey who did that he's got one of the top offenses this season and when you look at all of the things that have gone I'm going to use the word wrong for lack of better terms but all of the adversity that this team has had this year to have a 12 and 5 season where you played five games with your backup quarterback who had one game under his belt you've got your starting quarterback who's thrown 15 interceptions through 12 games and still somehow has one of the top scoring offenses in the league uh, the Cowboys are first in takeaways with 33 Again. for back-to-back seasons last year they have 34 uh, they are first in red zone efficiency 71.4 percent when they get in the red zone they're going to score a touchdown and they are third in points per game as I mentioned and they have a plus 10 turnover differential good for second in the league now I say all that to say people are unhappy with Mike McCarthy. And I would love, this is a day where I would love for us to be able to open the phone to callers because yep. I want to understand the Mike McCarthy diss. Mm. I, I wanna I because I, I wanna understand like where where has he gone wrong? Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's a nice enough guy. He is showing results, and I get it. Last year's playoff performance wasn't what anybody wanted. That was it was horrible. Yeah. I literally have videos on my phone of me crying from that game. Oh, <laughs> But I just want to understand, and I would love to hear you guys' opinion just on Mike and what he's done here, because it, to me, this is frustrating. I don't know if you guys feel that, but mm-hmm. I was listening on the radio, them talk about it uh, this morning, and it just it annoys me. Mm-hmm. So I want to open yeah. it up to you guys. Before we get there, though, I, I want to play Jerry Jones this morning on the fan. He was asked uh, if Mike were to lose, or if the Cowboys, rather, were to lose on Monday, if that would mean that Mike McCarthy's job is in jeopardy. Here's what Jerry Jones had to say no (laughs) just i I don't even want to uh, no Uh, that's it i I don't need to go into
0: all the pluses or minuses but uh uh, we're not seeing any we're not uh, basing i've got uh, a lot more to evaluate mike mccarthy on than this
4: playoff game
1: good for jerry and when I tell y'all the, the second he was asked if Mike's job was in jeopardy, and he hit that no, you know, no <laughs> too.
3: That's
1: a no, right? And and I want to be clear, like we have known Jerry to say one thing and do another thing, so I keep that in the back of my mind. But this this felt much more like, are you guys kidding me that you're asking yeah. me this question right now? Given what he has done, now I do think that the playoff uh, picture is a really big thing for Jerry. He's obvious and been vocal in saying how badly he not only wants to win a playoff, but to win another Super Bowl. Um, but should Mike McCarthy be under fire? Is this something that should, we should be talking about in week 18, a 12 and five team going to the playoffs of the second
2: straight season? No, no. Uh, and <laughs> Jerry, was that you? Echo Jerry. No. no, no, here's the thing. It's a very interesting turn of events because when Mike McCarthy was first hired, I had my biggest Dallas Cowboys fan hat on and I was seeing things from a very emotional Dallas Cowboys fan perspective and I didn't know much about Mike McCarthy. The only thing I knew is uh, that uh, playoff game where Dez caught it. That is what I knew of Mike McCarthy. That was my impression. And then, of course, you know, reading everything everyone was saying about him beforehand. Now, what I didn't understand until this season and having the privilege to be in the building and to talk to Mike McCarthy and talk to the players is how much of an importance it holds for your guys to be bought into what the coaching staff is doing. And it shows the way these guys talk about their coach and they're not going to go on and say anything bad about him. But again, all the conversations that we have in the locker room, people don't know, people don't know those conversations and they can say anything they want Never once have I heard anybody say anything negative about Mike McCarthy in that locker room. And in fact, they're so bought into this culture, it shows. They We talk about this, that echoed vocabulary within this building because of Mike McCarthy. And even just, I will forever have so much respect for how he puts the mental health aspect in the forefront of everything for these players the way he's dealt with injuries the way he's tried to preserve players for the future there's so many aspects of Mike McCarthy as a head coach that just deserve to be praised but but don't because you know a lot of people don't get to see it from that light I just think it's absolutely ridiculous even with the stats you mentioned Haley nobody should be questioning Mike McCarthy's job even if there's a loss on Monday it's so outrageous to me and it makes me roll my eyes so far back into my head (laughs) Um, I personally think that (sighs) so many fans and so many
3: people, I don't know if there's anything he can do other than win the ship that that will make anybody happy. Like you I'm not said trying to
2: ship. I heard I heard something oh, else. I was like, like huh? I was like, oh, say oh, what you, you chest I said. said.
3: Oh, you thought say I said? What ba- you, you know chest. Jazzy blamed me the other time. Like you <laughs> cursing, I'll be cursing <laughs> on camera. But anyway, uh, nah, man. I, I <laughs> when you look around it, like like oh. she said, like just get an opportunity to kind of see how things operate and stuff. It is, we have no idea how hard it is to run an NFL team to put these things mm-hmm. together, to put the practice schedules together, to do all of this stuff and um, they've seen success here not only have they seen has he seen success here he's right it wrongs with his coaching staff this coaching staff is one that almost he completely brought in then also the turnover in players if I'm not mistaken it was like 60 percent last year mm-hmm. like 60 percent the year before so there's a lot to be juggling and and this year in particular I come into the off season I was really looking at Mike McCarthy like this is your third year you're having a true install period, right? Like he's finally, no COVID, no none of that. And I feel like he's taken the reins and really uh, really gathered the type of men they even want to bring into the locker room and the kind of culture they want to build. So I just feel like with anyone discussing whether this job, his job is in limbo or not, I just think there's so much pressure on anybody coaching for the Cowboys because of the playoff contention and the fact that you know, the playoff history with the Cowboys, I don't know if it's ever going to be enough until they win multiple, multiple games. So everyone's thinking, I think a lot of people are acting off of emotion when they're saying those things.
2: 100%. And it's one of those things, too, that you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't because if Mike McCarthy goes and wins y'all a Super Bowl this season, next season, say they lose one game. ah oh, fire Mike McCarthy. like nobody's ever happy with what this Cowboys team and this coaching staff does. it feels like. It's just it's act on emotions every single time there's a loss and I get it this last game horrendous. we were all upset about it. but y'all, You're talking about a team that still had a chance to take the NFC as a whole with a number one seed going into their final game of the season. Like, stop it, please. I'm so tired of it. It's never enough, and it's just
3: going to be micro- I guess oh, just under a microscope. You're always going to be under a microscope. is to be expected. I'm just disappointed that we're talking about uh, jobs and all this stuff when there's a playoff game on Sunday or Monday. Sure, literally. Sure. Like there's just so much more, and I'm just like I just think that that's not the right approach to be taken right now, and I'm I'm not a fan.
1: I I agree. My uh, <laughs> my, my <clears throat> caught me off. I actually came with some heat there. Like, I know. I was like, for that. dang. All right. Um, I will say. To that, Mike was asked on yesterday, yesterday, uh, just about, like, the playoff history. He was asked about facing Tom Brady and how the Cowboys have yet to beat Tom Brady. And, you know, he said, like, does that add any pressure to the team? Does that add any pressure to you as a coach? And I love Mike McCarthy, without hesitation, said, the history of this team is not our problem. The history of our team, yep. the history of this team is not our responsibility, nor is our it our motivating factor. Because the reality is, like, this is— what we can do with the team that we have. So uh, he's obviously not bothered. Jerry sounds like he's not bothered. I will leave you with this: uh, his record in January is five and four, nine and nine in the postseason. So he's had success winning in the postseason, and he is a perfect one and zero in February. So we know what that means. If we can get to the Super Bowl, he's a perfect one and zero. chicka chicky yeah. Speaking it into existence. <laughs> we are Mike McCarthy stands on this. Podcast, ladies, insightful conversation is always with you guys. We are going to get into more of the Tampa Bay Dallas Cowboys matchup coming up on Monday later this week. But for now, that'll do it. Thanks so much for joining us today. We will see you guys tomorrow.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?